0: Welcome to the Writer Dojo. Your host, Steve Diamond. Hello. And Larry Korea. Hello. Today's episode, <laughs> your muse is as real as your kid's imaginary friend.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to the Writer Dojo. We're pleased to have you with us today. Today we are going to talk. We are going to tackle a very important topic that I think we Larry and I have touched on it before. We're going to go in depth on this one uh, because it's the thing that drives us both crazy. And that is the idea that your muse
2: controls you and controls your productivity. Absolutely. This is a a common thing amongst a lot of writers, and it's a very, very dangerous trap. What are the common excuses that we see with
1: muses, Larry? Um, You know... They'll say it's their muse, or they say they've got writer's block, and they can only do it at a certain time. So, so what are some of the ones you've heard? Uh,
2: writer's block is a big one, you know, where it's like, how do, I, how do I overcome writer's block? Or I can't work because it's not moved me. I, I've not been moved. Well, you know, or I'm just a, I'm variations just a condu- of that. I'm just a conduit
1: for this story. It writes itself for me. Oh, yeah. I hate that one.
2: Um, Basically, the more artsy, fartsy, hippy, dippy it gets, uh, the worse it gets. And and where I see people fall in this trap is a lot of people like the idea of being a writer. And so they'll talk about this. Like, they'll take what we do and they'll build it up like it's mystical, like Mm -hmm. it's magical, that only special, talented people can do what I do. And so other people, aspiring writers, hear this and they buy into this um this bill bill and this this you know, they get bilked and they think, oh wow, well, it's a mystical, powerful thing. I just have to sit here. Or I'm just gonna not sit here, not do the work, but don't worry. Yeah. It will strike me. Yeah, and, and so when people fall into this trap, what you're doing is you're putting an imaginary friend, <laughs> you're putting this metaphysical burden upon yourself as a creative. Well, as I tell people, Larry, and uh, when it comes to the muse,
1: it it is just that. It's just as real as your kid's imaginary friend. And I don't mean in the horror stories that I write, no. where they are real and they come and kill you. Though, frankly, that's what's going to happen to your story if you listen to this imaginary friend. It's going to kill your story because it's not going to do crap for you. That's
2: It's kind of like we and we, I think, I think we have talked about this before on the show about uh, writer's block and how, as accountants, when we were we used <laughs> yeah. to be accountants, how we couldn't have accountants block because we get fired. Yeah, you can have doctors block. Yeah, and I don't get, get to fired.
1: go in and be like, hey, hey, boss, boy, it's it's been a really tough day. Um, I've got accounting block today, so yeah. if you're cool with it, I'm just gonna go sit in the corner drinking a coke, and you know, and, and don't worry. Ahead. At some point, I'm sure, maybe not this month. But maybe next month, I'll get it back, and I can do
2: accounting for you. I'm sure the spreadsheets will speak to me. Yeah. You know, or, or whatever career it is, no one's going to buy that. Nope. Because the thing is, though, careers like doctor, you know, bus driver, welder, fisherman, don't have this mystical, artistic nonsense glommed onto it. So our career field has built up this really fake, really inflated, ego-boosting, I'm-so-brilliant bunch of crap, <laughs> basically, about what it means to be a writer. Well, and I had a friend, uh, a mutual friend of ours, who's who's
1: an artist-artist, um, painter, say to me, um, he's like, you know what, because I, I floated this topic by him, because I wanted to get not just like the writing stuff, because... Some of the other career you know, fields that have the artistic, career, there's a lot of career stuff in there. And, and while yeah, this is a this is a writer's podcast, but in reality, all the stuff that we're talking about, um, it it's all over the place. It can it can be used in like actual real life as like you know like Larry, we're self help. We're like chicken soup for the soul. Oh man, you're, this is this is a, this is actually a self help podcast. That's right. Um, <laughs> so what? Here, here's what he told me when I brought up the thing of muses. He said, "Yeah, he's like, oh yeah, muses are a big thing in the in the art community." I said, "Oh, really? Is that a thing?" He's like, "Well, yeah. I mean, pretty much what that means is that uh, the artist has a model that he wants to sleep with, and so he says that that's who his muses. <laughs> so it has nothing to do with work, <laughs> right?" Uh, and so I, I laughed at that because you know, like that—that's about—that's about the extent of it.
2: Yeah, you know, it, it's kind of funny because like. um... If you look at how different careers are portrayed in the movies, uh, you ever notice how writers are portrayed in movies? Oh, gosh. We're almost always tortured, tortured geniuses.
1: frazzled, um, uh, hairs everywhere, glasses are broken. You know.
2: or, or either that or, or like they're the handsome author who's on book tours, you know, sleeping with all the hot chicks until the murder mystery happens. Right. You know, it's so... Until... Guys, yeah. it, for those of you that are starting out, you may have some delusions about this career field. But honestly, and Steve and I are here to tell you that this is a job. It's a job like any other job, and the vast majority of us who are successful and doing this as a career are is because we treat it as a job. Yep. And
1: oh man, the 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 one that I hear a lot, and and you can refer back to our episode on this is the well. I just, man, the the muse hasn't given me any ideas, or I don't have any ideas right now. Well, look, like. Y- you listen, I think it was like our second or third episode where we talk about ideas. Yeah. And we say this all the time. Uh, ideas don't matter. Like they're they're everywhere.
2: Yeah, there there's very few authors who don't have plenty of ideas um, to work with. Ideas are the um, easiest part. There are different The hard part's the work part. For different authors
1: that that get you going. Um, for me at at this stage in life because I'm as, as we are frequent to mention, I still have a day job. And for just $1 a month, you can be a supporter and help us lift me and Jack up from perdition into, you know, being, you know, not having day jobs. <clears throat> oh, anyway. <laughs> um, so in my stage in life, for me, it's almost always um, like desperation. I'll take I'll take a couple days off or I'll take a week off. And it's like, yeah, don't talk to me because I have no choice but to get everything done right now. Yeah. And if I don't get it done right now, I'm not sure when the next time is I'm going to be able to get it done. Yeah. And then there's other people who um, who set a schedule and they can make that happen and they can work
2: at it. And with me being a full-time writer, it's different. I got a lot more freedom. Yeah, of course. Uh, and, and I, you know, my production rate's about the same, but I have a lot better quality of life. And so it's one of those things where you just got to figure out what works for you um, and, and then go accordingly. But in any career field, there there is no career field where the most successful path is uh, basically... Going just completely off of like an imaginary friend feeling. And the thing is, to be fair, a lot of people, I think John falls in this category, but people who talk about the muse, it, I think the muse is just kind of slang. Well, sure. for some of them, for the professionals, for the ones that actually have careers, the muse is a slang thing. And it really comes down to is I'm inspired. I'm excited. I have an idea that I'm pumped up about. I really want to get to this. That's the muse. That's really what the muse is.
1: Yeah. Don't, don't mistake your excitement or lack thereof for the story you're writing as like the muse. Um, I mean we, we talk about it a lot. Like a lot of times it's how can you manufacture for yourself that excitement to continue on during the during the the parts of the story. Look, that's a
2: really good I, question. I love
1: I love writing I love writing explosions as much as yeah. the next guy. I like writing super violent monster deaths probably more than the next guy. But it's those pieces in between, um, and and you know we we I think we brought this up in a and A uh, episode at one point that was how do you how do you connect those those big exciting pieces in the middle, and and if you if you're spending all of your time um, writing the big exciting pieces, it's it's super easy to look down at the at the other parts in between and go yeah but that's boring, and it's easy to rationalize yeah I'm I'm too tired to write that. And then it's easy to rationalize, well, you know, my – I'm just not motivated or I'm just – I just don't my, – my muse isn't isn't helping me write this part right now. You know what? Your muse isn't your um, – your muse is not something that you can just flog constantly.
2: You guys can tell that me and Steve swear a lot in real life, but we're trying hard not to do so on this podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> – Your muse
1: is not something that you should just, like, it's not a switch. Like, it doesn't exist, guys. It doesn't exist.
2: Yeah. One of the things I like to say is that creativity is not a faucet. You can't just turn on the creativity faucet and it flows freely all the time. And then you shut it off when you're done. That's not how it works. You guys got to figure out what you need to do in order to be able to turn that faucet on and have a full tank. Now, um, and this is one of the things that I've talked about. This is a pet peeve of mine, like on the internet, where, where people drive me nuts, where you'll see this all the time with authors, where an author will have a social media presence, or whatever. And anytime an author talks, and I've gone on giant tirades about this. Anytime an author will talk about something other than writing, inevitably some helpful fan will jump on and say, you should be writing. You know, you have a writer who will post, he'll be out mountain climbing or fishing or playing with his dog or painting a mini or playing video games, whatever it is. Inevitably, some helpful guy will be like, you should be writing. And when I pointed out to these people that that is incredibly destructive. Now, I got rhino hide. And so I like, you know, actually one of my hobbies is fighting with people on the internet. So for me, that's like.
1: That, that's how you recharge.
2: Well, for me, that's like hunting over bait. I'm like throwing oh, yeah. out corn behind my house for deer to come in. Um, <laughs> to me, you know, to use a, a shark analogy that
1: I used in another episode, that's just that's just slapping the water with <laughs> chum. It's just
2: chum in the water. Just
1: waiting for the shark to come out and attack you.
2: But really what it comes down to is that writers have to recharge because what regular people don't realize, and what a lot of people who listen to this podcast already understand is that you're a writer no matter whether you're writing or not. Your head is always kind of in the clouds. You're that guy that's always thinking of stories. You're it's that working. guy. That, that's not like. That's working.
1: Yeah, it's not. It's not like me, you know, sitting here drinking this delicious soda. You know, I don't just take a sip and I'll call it a day.
2: Brought to you by Fizz. I'm brought to you
1: by Fizz Drinks. We're not sponsored by them, but we want to be. They should. Um, as much money as I've spent <laughs> there. You know, it's not... Yeah. I, you don't just take this sip. Like, your brain is actively worked is is actively working. It's... En- <clears throat> your, your brain is actively working and it's engaged. The entire time, and you know, it's like in the old cartoons when uh, whenever they show anyone who's working who's thinking too hard, steam starts coming out of their ears and stuff like that.
2: A little thought bubble gets all yeah, heat laid. sure, yeah. It, it's not like that's that far off from the truth. No. So what I'm saying, is so like, so like when when that when that author is fishing or or biking or whatever it is, and you guys are like, oh, get back to work, you know, get back to the word mines. What you don't seem to realize is that that guy is working. He is filling up the tank so he can turn on that creativity faucet tomorrow in front of his keyboard. And when you guys start barking at him, like I said, I got rhino hide, but a lot of writers don't. A lot of people that go into this business are kind of sensitive types to to our detriment and to their benefit sometimes. I mean, I'm assuming there's a benefit. I don't know. (laughs) But... And Steve's kind of a sociopath, so it's... (laughs) But but you got these people that, like, they think they're helping by the yelling at you, and it's really not, because what you're doing is you're... People are putting undue pressure upon these writers, because most of those writers feel guilty anyway. But guys, don't feel guilty. You need to fill your bucket. Don't feel guilty for doing fun things. Don't feel guilty for getting away from the computer. Oh, yeah, and and, and the people that say, um, oh, well... But writing is fun. That is your fun release. And it's like, yeah, no, no. It is at first, and it is sometimes. But the thing is, it's still a job, and to put in the production necessary to make a career out of it, you are well past that threshold of where it's just pure joy. Th- think about any any successful
1: athlete. Um, oh, I'm, a, I'm sure. I'm, I'm a big baseball guy. Okay. Yeah. And they love baseball. They they adore baseball. They they they. Eat, drink, and sleep baseball. Same, same with football players, right? But they go out and train for 10, know, ten yeah, hours straight. Do, do you think that... I'm sure that there, there, there are some of them that, that really do um, They really do love being a gym rat, and they love the working out and the process and everything like that. Great, Great for them. But the vast majority of them, do you think they actually enjoy that? Oh, not the blood, sweat, and tears part. Do you, do you think they love, after the game, going and sitting in a tub filled with ice water? You know, I'm sure that I'm sure that they, that that maybe they see the necessity of it. Uh, maybe there's a masochist or four out there that love that.
2: Well, like 15, 15 18 years ago, I was a really good competitive shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple different sports, but primarily my main game was three gun, and I love shooting. I love three gun. I love competing. I had, uh, you know, I, back in the day, I was pretty good at it, but I would dry fire for thirty minutes every night. Uh, you know, and just practice, you know, holster and draw and site acquisition. And that's monotonous. Monotonous. Reloads. When you're
1: when your when your draw is sub one, then thirty minutes?
2: A night, yeah. And so you would do that and do that and do that and do that and do that. Is that fun? No, it's not fun. Not at all. And anybody who says that's fun, wow, Dan, you you're you're, <laughs> you're a special kind of guy. But the thing is, that's true for anything that you excel at, and writing is the exact same way. All right. So when we come
1: back from break, um, we're, we're, gonna, we're basically going to treat this like it's AA. So, you know, the first step in, in recognizing this issue with your muse is admitting that you have the problem. So when we get back, um, we're going to talk a little bit about that. So thanks. We'll be right back.
0: A lost colony planet, a perplexing murder, and a dog homicide cop in this audible original story from bestselling author Larry Correa and narrated by Oliver Wybin. When the biggest colony ship in human history was sent to settle a paradise world, an accident hurtled it deep into uncharted space. A thousand light years from Earth, with no way home and no way to call for help, the colonists' only hope for survival was the one barely habitable planet in range, a nightmare world they named Croatoan. Landing on the only five mountain peaks tall enough to rise above the lethal acid clouds, the settlers carved a civilization from the rock. A hundred years later, Five Points has grown into a city corruption and violence. With powerful corporations ruling the surface domes and criminal syndicates running the caverns below, murder is just the cost of doing business. So when a special magistrate is found dissolving in a protein vat, it barely registers until DCI Lutero Cade, the last honest cop in five points, catches the case. What he finds could threaten the colony's very existence, or at the very least, Cade himself. Lost Planet Homicide will be available on Audible on October 21st, 2021, and will be free with an Audible Plus subscription.
1: Welcome back. Um, We're still here. We're not dead yet. Our imaginary muse friends have not killed us, Um, unless this is the imaginary muse, and that's totally what an imaginary muse serial killer would say.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, Steve's muse looks and sounds just like him, so it's true. <laughs> We're not really out much. <laughs> All right, so when we, when we went to break,
1: I was saying that you know let's let's start talking about you know the the idea that the muse is not real, and how to get away from that into doing work. And I think the first part of this, like I said, is you know kind of like AA, the first the first step in in any of these processes or progress progresses, whatever the word is, I'm a writer, is to say, um, is to admit that you have a problem. And I, and you know, uh, I believe that someone asked this on Facebook, um, a while back. I don't remember who it was, so I can't credit you for your question, but basically that's what this is. So the idea here is, yeah, look, it's okay to be tired. It's okay. Like you said to, um, to say
2: i need to go do something to freaking recharge yeah um it's it's okay to be stuck yeah don't beat yourself up i mean some of the greatest geniuses there's ever been have been stuck i i, I a lot of writers we get in our heads because we spend the whole day in our heads right yep. and we tend to beat ourselves up constantly a lot of writers uh especially when you're first starting out you're like i should be working harder i should be doing more and it and if it's a true statement, that's great. But a lot of times, it's not true. It's not realistic. Uh, humans are exceptionally well, especially humans who want to succeed. Um, we're very hard on, hard on ourselves. Yeah, and that's good to a point. But mm-hmm. sometimes we make we, we debilitate ourselves. We're like we know what we need to do, but we don't do it. Instead, we beat ourselves up for not doing the thing we know we should do.
1: So, like, so I, I think you and I um, are kind of going in the same direction here, and that's. Um, you know, the idea that you're constantly comparing yourself to the huge authors out there. Yeah. Like, it's not fair for me, for example, to compare myself
2: to you. Well, it's not fair for you to compare yourself to Jim Butcher. You know what I mean? Yeah, because we're all in different situations. We're all in different places along this journey, along this career. Um, and it's always good to shoot for the stars. It's always good to have goals. I mean, as a writer, realistically, you should set goals. You should set production goals. But you should set realistic, achievable goals that you can actually do and then work towards them. And then when you don't reach them, adjust fire, ask yourself why, and then be realistic and keep going. Um, And it's like when you compare yourself to others, like a lot of people, like I have friends, author friends I talk to all the time, and they'll compare themselves to me. And they'll be like, well, you know, Larry wrote this many words. You know, Larry will write 10,000 words a week when he's, you know, doing his writing stuff. That's what I should do. Except if this, this is coming from a guy who's got a day job, uh, that's that's a significant challenge. You can do it, oh, yeah. but it is a significant challenge. And you need to recognize that and not beat yourself up. Well, and and to go along with that, again,
1: you, you were just talking about the friends of yours who have day jobs, like yours truly.
2: Yeah. You it's, know, a, it's, it's an entirely different process. That's hard. Well, let's talk about the creativity faucet. Your bucket doesn't give as, get as many chances to get filled. Yeah. Uh, because... I mean, you're already putting out, you know, 40, well, for you, 50, 60 <laughs> <laughs> hours a week of brain work. And then yeah. you come home and you're going to go use your brain some more. I mean, you got to do what you got to do to get to where you can make those words come out when you have your chance to write.
1: Well, and, and I, want, I want those of you out there who are, um, okay, look, one of the questions I get uh, that I get asked a lot is, well, um, you know, I want to be a writer. So, so what's the first piece of advice you can give me? And the first thing I say is, don't quit your day job.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> um, you know, like being an author is not a sure thing. It Doesn't matter how good you are, it's not a sure thing. Um, now, I, I firmly believe, and I think you firmly believe that if you work at it hard enough, you're going to get there.
2: Yeah, it's one of those career fields that if it's it's all based upon your backlist. It's it's based upon what you have out there in the, in circulation that's making a small amount of money. And if you keep putting new stuff on top of that, that old stuff keeps making money. So eventually, you'll have we'll enough to there. replace your income. But until that point, you still got to do that thing, you know, eat. Yeah,
1: and you know, pay that mortgage or rent.
2: Well, and keep your wife happy and you your know, kids. I, I hear it's or important. Or your husband or whatever. Yeah, you know, it's you important. Got family. You, you
1: got to pet your dog. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's what I do most days. My 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 dogs are nicer than my kids. So, <laughs> you know, it's okay. To have moments and and not even moments, but stretches of time where it's like, you know what? I need to make sure my day job is good.
2: Yeah. And, and frankly, that's where I am. Plus for people starting out, your day job can fire you. And if you don't have a publishing contract yet, then you're not going to get fired. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Give yourself permission to suck and fail once in a while. Yeah. I mean, there's the old Michael Jordan commercial about, you know, I've missed 15,000 free throws. I've, you know, you know, whatever. Uh, I, I've lost this many games. Mm-hmm. And he's the greatest and of all time. the greatest of all time. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's the same for writers too. Oh, I mean, we tell
1: people all the time in, in panels and stuff, we always say, look, it's okay to fail at this. It's okay. And you're going to. And the sooner you come to, to realize that and, and to accept the fact that yeah, this is hard, things are going to suck, but I'm going to get there, the better you're going to be.
2: Yeah. Well, let me flip this around a little bit too. As as you get going, um, as far as far as nuts and bolts practicality to keep up that energy. Sure. To, to, I'm not, I'm not I'm talking music. I'm just talking like human work ethic here. Don't be afraid to mix things up. Yeah. Like when I first started out and I had sold Monster Hunter and I'd sold Monster Hunter Vendetta and they were doing pretty good, the next thing I tried to do was I tried to sell hard magic to Tony Weisskopf. Yeah. Why? Because I didn't want to be just the monster guy because I thought, looking back, my, my thought was, wow, if I do nothing but monster hunter stories, I'll probably make good money, but I'm going to get bored. Yep. I'm going to get worn out. Uh, and so, yeah, on a downside, i am writing like five different series now, but I never get bored because once I'm done with the book, I don't immediately jump into another book in that series. I go do something entirely different. In fact, right now I'm rewarding myself because okay. I just finished up two projects. Well, mm-hmm. almost finished up. We still got the final edits. Yeah. But I'm, the next book I'm writing is another is the fourth book in the saga, The Forgotten Warrior, you yeah. know, Son of the Black Sword series. Um, and so what I'm doing is I'm listening to the three audio books. Oh, nice. So that's 16 hours each. Tim Gerard Reynolds, right? Tim Gerard Reynolds, great books. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Audio, he killed it. And so Man, I'm listening guys, to- You guys should go
1: pick those up on audio. They're really um, good. Tim Gerard Reynolds is one of the best audiobook narrators out there.
2: Yeah, Son of the Black Sword is the first one. Uh, And so I'm painting minis and doing, you know, mini craft stuff while listening to three audiobooks to get my brain in the zone to go work in that universe. Mm -hmm. And that's work. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting paid (laughs) to write, to, to do this. But it's what I need to do. In order to shift gears and to get in the next thing. And so I could beat myself up and say, oh my gosh, look at this. I'm wasting a whole week listening to audiobooks. Or I could say, wow, well, this is really cool. I get to listen to Tim's performance and his take on the characters. And then and think about like, like the things that I could do better or different. Cool ideas pop up and I note those down. And so I, I'm, I'm making this a rewarding work week well
1: and and you never know I mean we talk about the the whole idea thing all the time you never know how inspiration is going to come and hit you over the over the head right like what if what if by you listening to Tim Gerard's uh Tim Gerard Reynolds's performance of you know Ashok or whatever like something like the way he says a word or the way he enunciates or or his performance like triggers something in your head and you go Oh yeah, I could really yeah. play up that kind of characteristic with him in this next book. Yeah, and so like it's it a, happens. It happens all the time.
2: It's an opportunity to step away, to refresh, to charge those batteries. I'm still being productive, and I, I could beat myself up about it because I'm not putting words on paper. You know, I,
1: I think I think maybe I think use the right word there, and I really like it. You said the word opportunity. So instead of thinking about, like, writing excuses, I think you should think about, like, opportunities that you have to, to progress and to get better.
2: Absolutely.
1: So, so here's what I want to do, Larry. I want to, um, to think about the what are perhaps some of the real reasons why people are blaming their muse or their writer's block or whatever it is for things and how we can take those and turn them into Positive reinforcement that people can use for themselves. And what, like, how can they take that negative and turn it into a positive? Hmm. Okay. All right. So the first one Here, here's here's some of the the main reasons why you're sucking. Okay. One, you didn't plan well enough.
2: Very possible. Okay.
1: You're saying you're you're stuck and you just don't know where the story the, the muse isn't telling you where
2: the story's supposed to go. Is that
1: it, or did you not plan well enough?
2: Yep, especially for outliners. Yeah, for for
1: outliners, um, discovery writers. This is a huge trap. Um, I, I think I think if you're a discovery writer, you're at danger of of falling into the trap of thinking that the inspiration must strike, because you are. I mean, you're relying on on um, on organic, quick, natural growth in a story, and that's dangerous unless it's a skill that you've been then that you've been building for a while. So here's the easy thing to do on that. Plan better. Yep. Like if you're a discovery writer that's having issues with this, maybe you should try outlining. Like you said earlier, switch it up. Switch it up. If you're an outliner who is like, oh, this is all feeling stale and static, and therefore my muse thinks it's stale and static, therefore I can't do anything. You know what? Go write a, go write a short story really quick where you start from nothing and go, let allow yourself to be surprised.
2: One of them that I think writers fall into a trap too mm-hmm. uh, that we need to flip around is change your scenery. And what I mean, like that, sure. is we tend to we tend to get in our little writer cave, wherever it may be, and we tend to just sit in this little cold writer cave. Absolutely, Doing okay. our
1: thing. So you and I, we talked. I don't remember if it was this episode or the last or one of the last episodes um, where we were talking about how uh, one of the scenes that that you. Um, so graciously allowed me to write in Servants of War <laughs> was, was the romance scene. Oh, yeah. It was a good learning okay. opportunity. And, and here's the thing. I remember I remember this very specifically because I was back east, and I was in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. and uh, I was sitting out on the back porch of this, what's a, going to become a, a B&B, um, in this old, like, 1800s house. And I sent you a picture from the backyard. Yep. And it was this absolutely stunning, gorgeous vista. And I sat there and I was watching and I was looking out there and I went, I, I, I don't, I mean, if I were writing this at my kitchen table, you know, I, I'm not sure that, that I would feel right, but I'm sitting here, I'm seeing this gorgeous view and I sent you, I texted you the picture and yeah. I said, well, I'm not sure I could ask for a better, for better scenery for a romance scene that I got to write but change
2: your, change your scenery, change your point of view. Yeah. Get, get out of the writer cave, get out and in, in just, oh man, for a lot of us go, go exercise, go for a walk, yeah. get out. Um, I mean, if you live in a miserable, awful place, you know, go just still, you can change the scenery to someplace else. Mm-hmm. Just get out, mix it up a little bit, get out of the writer cave, uh, you know, and just, that's one reason I moved to where I move. Uh, my office now has, like, this magnificent vista, every direction, mountain. Absolutely. It looks like Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. for my house. I mean, I'm not blowing smoke. It really is nice. Yeah. But even then, sometimes mm-hmm. I just got to get out of the house. Yeah. And I'll go. I'll go to the grocery store, and it'll help me unlock. You know? It'll help me get out of my shell.
1: I think that another one of these issues is that people say... You know they they just don't know how to make this work, how to progress. My answer is pretty simple to that, and it's the same thing that, that every athlete goes through. If an athlete wants to get better at, um, say, so if you're a pitcher for baseball, if an athlete wants to get better at his fastball, you know what he needs to do? Throw fastball. Throw a fastball, a lot. Yep. Not just once. Not just twice. Thousands of times. And for us as riders, um, there's the old adage that you know you need to write a million words before your, your words stop sucking. I don't I don't believe that necessarily. Yeah, because I wasn't near that before no, I started that. doing well. So, however, there is something to be said that look, if I've written a million words, then you know what? I'm pretty sure that that my my more my more current words are going to be better than my starting words.
2: If you suck at dialogue, write more dialogue. If you suck at action, write more action. Just fiddle around with it, and you'll get better as you go. Shoot. the I mean, we talk about this all the time. The thing that
1: got me better was, was writing for RPG stuff, yep. right? Game, game, fiction. game fiction. yeah. And, and I could have gone the easy route. I could have. This is one of the few times you'll hear me kind of pat myself on the back. I could have gone, I could have taken the easy road, And I could have just said, well, I'm just going to write a a base kind of boring journal entry so I can get my free XP. Because, I mean, I wanted to min-max.
2: No, you totally wrote like these dramatic, different shifting point of view. You know, each each story you wrote was from a different point
1: of view. It was, I'm going to write a pacifist. I'm going to write a completely, I'm going to write a sociopath. I'm going to write romance. I'm going to write whatever. Yeah. Like, because being able to adjust and shift and write different perspectives and, you know, male, female, in between, whatever, um, aliens, humans, monsters, whatever you want. Like, being able to write all those different things is important. Um, And to be able to go out and do those different things, it does make it so that I'm not getting bored writing the same exact thing every time. Yep. This um, so is just like
2: I didn't want to be just the monster guy. No,
1: of course not. Now, here's the, the last point I want to make. And this is, uh, you, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, taking these these perceived bad habits. Um, and, well, no, a lot of them are just our bad habits. And turning them into, into good things. And whatever reason you think you're struggling with, f- you know, be honest with yourself. Diagnose it and say, instead of saying, well, crap, that sucks, say, hmm. What what can I do to alter this and change it and use it to my benefit? Yeah. Um, it's okay to be selfish here. Um, here's the last thing, and I think this is funny, and this is why um, I, I don't buy the muse. Um, there are times when I'm, I'm, I'm fairly logical in terms of thinking, and I hear all the time that people talk about the aha shower moment. They're in the shower one day, and they're like, oh, Oh man, I just have these great ideas in the shower, and that's the only place where I get them. I'm thinking, well, if that was true. Then why don't you just stay in the shower all day and have great ideas? Like that's <laughs> stupid. Yeah, that's a bunch of crap. So here's, here's what, what it I is: is the shower
2: about. is probably the one place he gives himself a chance to actually think. Well, or um,
1: I notice this a lot, and and here's the reason why I, I came to this conclusion, Larry. Um, I'm a binge writer. We know that. I'm, I've I've admitted that, and. When you write that much in a short time frame, your mind doesn't spin down. It's constantly working on the, the 5, 6, 7,000 words you wrote that day and saying, okay, I wrote all those. Now what's the next segment? And you're doing you're doing that for a little while and a little while and you're, and you're going on. Here's what I noticed. Every time I woke up in the morning and I got in the shower, because I don't function until I have a shower in the morning, um, nice bit of way too personal information for all of you listeners, um, I would inevitably have a moment in the shower I go, oh yeah, that's how I can fix that. Oh yeah, that's the next place I should go. The human brain is amazing. And the human brain works even when you don't think it's working. And so the more you are conditioning your mind to think about solutions and storytelling and think about the direction in which you're going and the more you're using that, the more likely it's going to happen. When you go to sleep, your brain is still working. That's why we have dreams. Your brain is still working. And so when you get up in the morning and your brain actually like, kind of, sort of, wakes up, it catches up, everything catches up, and you go, huh, yeah, you're calm in the shower, everything's good, so stop giving credit to some imaginary, formless muse, and give that credit to yourself. Take control. Absolutely. This is your destiny. That's right. I mean, basically, I mean, if we learned anything from from the latest Star Wars movies, we're all Skywalkers, apparently. Oh, So with that, we'll leave you with that. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one, everybody. Take it easy.
0: Writer Dojo is Steve Diamond and Larry Correa. Produced by Jack Wilder and Baron Hair Studios. Theme song, Word Mercenaries, by Craig Nivo. New episodes come out every Wednesday, wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm slash Dojo by leaving us a five-star rating or review, and by helping to spread the word. All questions and comments can be emailed to questions at writerdojo.com.
2: And Steve's kind of a sociopath, so it's... (laughs)